0: chapter 8 of son of tarzan this libretto recording is in the public domain son of tarzan by edgar rice burrows chapter 8 a year had passed since the two swedes had been driven in terror from the savage country where the sheik held sway little miriam still played with geeka lavishing all her childish love upon the now almost hopeless ruin of what had never even in its palmiest days possessed even a slight degree of loveliness but to miriam geeka was all that was sweet and adorable she carried to the deaf ears of the battered ivory head all her sorrows all her hopes and all her ambitions for even in the face of hopelessness in the clutches of the dread authority from which there was no escape Little Miriam yet cherished hopes and ambitions. It is true that her ambitions were rather nebulous in form, consisting chiefly of a desire to escape with Geeka to some remote and unknown spot where there were no sheikhs, no mabunus, where El Adria could find no entrance, and where she might play all day surrounded only by flowers and birds and the harmless little monkeys playing in the treetops. The sheik had been away for a long time, conducting a caravan of ivory skins and rubber far into the north. The interim had been one of great peace for Miriam. It is true that Mabunu had still been with her, to pinch or beat her as the mood seized the villainous old hag, but Mabunu was only one. When the sheik was there also there were two of them, and the sheik was stronger and more brutal even than Mabunu. Little Miriam often wondered why the grim old man hated her so. It is true that he was cruel and unjust to all with whom he came in contact, but to Miriam he reserved his greatest cruelties, his most studied injustices. Today Miriam was squatting at the foot of a large tree, which grew inside the palisade close to the edge of the village. She was fashioning a tent of leaves for Geeka before the tent were some pieces of wood and small leaves and a few stones these were the household utensils geeka was cooking dinner as the little girl played she prattled continuously to her companion propped in a sitting position with a couple of twigs she was totally absorbed in the domestic duties of so much so that she did not note the gentle swaying of the branches of the tree above her as they bent to the body of the creature that had entered them stealthily from the jungle. In happy ignorance the little girl played on, while from above two steady eyes looked down upon her, unblinking, unwavering. There was none other than the little girl in this part of the village, which had been almost deserted since the sheik had left long months before upon his journey toward the north and out in the jungle, an hour's march from the village, the sheik was leading his returning caravan homeward. A year had passed since the white men had fired upon the lad and driven him back into the jungle to take up his search for the only remaining creatures to whom he might look for companionship, the great apes. For months the two had wandered eastward, deeper and deeper into the jungle. The year had done much for the boy, turning his already mighty muscles to thews of steel, developing his woodcraft to a point where it verged upon the uncanny, perfecting his arboreal instincts, and training him in the use of both natural and artificial weapons. He had become at last a creature of marvelous physical powers and mental cunning. He was still but a boy, yet so great was his strength that the powerful anthropoid with which he often engaged in mimic battle was no match for him, Akut had taught him to fight as the bull-ape fights, nor ever was there a teacher better fitted to instruct in the savage warfare of primordial man, or a pupil better equipped to profit from the lessons of a master. As the two searched for a band of the almost extinct species of ape to which Akut belonged, they lived upon the best the jungle afforded. Antelope and zebra fell to the boy's spear, or were dragged down by the two powerful beasts of prey who leaped upon them from some overhanging limb or from the ambush of the undergrowth beside the trail to the water hole or the ford the pelt of a leopard covered the nakedness of the youth but the wearing of it had not been dictated by any prompting of modesty with the rifle shots of the white men showering about him he had reverted to the savagery of the beast that is inherent in each of us, but that flamed more strongly in this boy whose father had been raised a beast of prey. He wore his leopard-skin at first in response to a desire to parade a trophy of his prowess, for he had slain the leopard with his knife in a hand-to-hand combat. He saw that the skin was beautiful, which appealed to his barbaric sense of ornamentation and when it stiffened and later commenced to decompose because of his having no knowledge of how to cure or tan it was with sorrow and regret that he discarded it later when he chanced upon a lone black warrior wearing the counterpart of it soft and clinging and beautiful from proper curing it required but an instant to leap from above upon the shoulders of the unsuspecting black sink a keen blade into his heart and possess the rightly preserved hide there were no after qualms of conscience in the jungle might is right nor does it take long to inculcate this axiom in the mind of a jungle dweller regardless of what his past training may have been that the black would have killed him had he had the chance the boy knew full well neither he nor the black were any more sacred than the lion or the buffalo the zebra or the deer or any other of the countless creatures who roamed or slunk or flew or wriggled through the dark mazes of the forest. Each had but a single life, which was sought by many. The greater number of enemies slain, the better chance to prolong that life. So the boy smiled and donned the finery of the vanquished, and went his way with Akut, searching always, searching for the elusive anthropoids who were to welcome them with open arms and at last they found them. Deep in the jungle, buried far from sight of man, they came upon such another little natural arena as had witnessed the wild ceremony of the dum-dum in which the boy's father had taken part long years before. First, at a great distance, they heard the beating of the drum of the great apes. They were sleeping in the safety of a huge tree, when the booming sound smote upon their ears. Both awoke at once, akut was the first to
1: interpret the strange cadence the great apes he growled they dance the dum-dum come korak son of tarzan let us go to our people
0: months before akut had given the boy a name of his own choosing since he could not master the man-given name of jack korak is as near as it may be interpreted into human speech in the language of the apes it means killer Now the killer rose upon the branch of the great tree where he had been sleeping with his back braced against the stem. He stretched his lithe young muscles, the moonlight filtering through the foliage from above, dappling his brown skin with little patches of light. The ape, too, stood up, half-squatting after the manner of his kind. Low growls rumbled from the bottom of his deep chest, growls of excited anticipation. The boy growled in harmony with the ape. Then the anthropoid slid softly to the ground. Close by, in the direction of the booming drum, lay a clearing which they must cross. The moon flooded it with silvery light. Half erect, the great ape shuffled into the full glare of the moon. At his side, swinging gracefully along in marked contrast to the awkwardness of his companion, strode the boy— the dark, shaggy coat of the one brushing against the smooth, clear hide of the other. The lad was humming now, a music-hall air that had found its way to the forms of the great English public school that was to see him no more. He was happy and expectant. The moment he had looked forward to for so long was about to be realized. He was coming into his own. He was coming home." as the months had dragged or flown along retarded or spurred on as privation or adventure predominated thoughts of his own home while oft recurring had become less vivid the old life had grown to seem more like a dream than a reality and the balking of his determination to reach the coast and return to london had finally thrown the hope of realization so remotely into the future that it now seemed little more than a pleasant but hopeless dream now all thoughts of london and civilization were crowded so far into the background of his brain that they might as well have been non-existent except for form and mental development, he was as much an ape as the great, fierce creature at his side. In the exuberance of his joy, he slapped his companion roughly on the side of the head. Half in anger, half in play, the anthropoid turned upon him, his fangs bared and glistening. Long, hairy arms reached out to seize him, and as they had done a thousand times before, the two clinched in mimic battle rolling upon the sward, striking, growling, and biting, though never closing their teeth in more than a rough pinch. It was wondrous practice for them both. The boy brought in to play wrestling tricks that he had learned at school, and many of these Akut learned to use and to foil, and from the ape the boy learned the methods that had been handed down to Akut from some common ancestor of them both, who had roamed the teeming earth when ferns were trees and crocodiles were birds. But there was one art the boy possessed which Akut could not master, though he did achieve fair proficiency in it for an ape, boxing. To have his bull-like charges stopped and crumpled with a suddenly planted fist upon the end of his snout, or a painful jolt in the short ribs always surprised akut it angered him too and at such times his mighty jaws came nearer to closing in the soft flesh of his friend than at any other for he was still an ape with an ape's short temper and brutal instincts but the difficulty was in catching his tormentor while his rage lasted for when he lost his head and rushed madly into close quarters with the boy, he discovered that the stinging hail of blows released upon him always found their mark and effectually stopped him, effectually and painfully. Then he would withdraw, growling viciously, backing away with grinning jaws distended to sulk for an hour or so. Tonight they did not box; just for a moment or two they wrestled playfully until the scents of Sheeta, the panther, brought them to their feet, alert and wary. The great cat was passing through the jungle in front of them. For a moment it paused, listening. The boy and the ape growled menacingly in chorus, and the carnivore moved on. Then the two took up their journey toward the sound of the dum-dum. Louder and louder came the beating of the drum. Now at last they could hear the growling of the dancing apes, and strong to their nostrils came the scent of their kind. The lad trembled with excitement, the hair down Akut's spine stiffened. The symptoms of happiness and anger are often similar. Silently they crept through the jungle as they neared the meeting place of the apes. Now they were in the trees, worming their way forward, alert for sentinels. Presently, through a break in the foliage, the scene burst upon the eager eyes of the boy. To Akut it was a familiar one, but to Korak it was all new. His nerves tingled at the savage sight. The great bulls were dancing in the moonlight, leaping in an irregular circle about the flat-topped earthen drum, about which three old females sat beating its resounding top with sticks worn smooth by long years of use. Akut, knowing the temper and customs of his kind, was too wise to make their presence known until the frenzy of the dance had passed. After the drum was quiet, and the bellies of the tribe well filled, he would hail them. Then would come a parley, after which he and Korak would be accepted into membership by the community. There might be those who would object, but such could be overcome by brute force, of which he and the lad had an ample surplus. For weeks, possibly months, their presence might cause ever-decreasing suspicion among others of the tribe, but eventually they would become as born brothers to these strange apes. He hoped that they had been among those who had known Tarzan, for that would help in the introduction of the lad and in the consummation of Akut's dearest wish that Korak should become king of the apes it was with difficulty however that akut kept the boy from rushing into the midst of the dancing anthropoids an act that would have meant the instant extermination of them both since the hysterical frenzy into which the great apes worked themselves during the performance of their strange rites is of such a nature that even the most ferocious of the carnivora give them a wide berth at such times As the moon declined slowly toward the lofty, foliaged horizon of the amphitheater, the booming of the drums decreased, and lessened were the exertions of the dancers, until at last the final note was struck and the huge beasts turned to fall upon the feast they had dragged hither for the orgy. From what he had seen and heard, Akut was able to explain to Korak that the rites proclaimed the choosing of a new king, and he pointed out to the boy the massive figure of the shaggy monarch come into his kingship no doubt as many human rulers have come into theirs by the murder of his predecessor when the apes had filled their bellies and many of them had sought the bases of the trees to curl up in sleep akut plucked korak by the arm come he whispered
1: come slowly follow me do as akut does Then he advanced
0: slowly through the trees until he stood upon a bough overhanging one side of the amphitheater. Here he stood in silence for a moment. Then he uttered a low growl. Instantly a score of apes leaped to their feet. Their savage little eyes sped quickly around the periphery of the clearing. The king ape was the first to see the two figures upon the branch. He gave voice to an ominous growl. Then he took a few lumbering steps in the direction of the intruders, his hair was bristling his legs were stiff imparting a halting jerky motion to his gait behind him pressed a number of bulls he stopped just a little before he came beneath the two just far enough to be beyond their spring wary king Here he stood, rocking himself to and fro upon his short legs, baring his fangs in hideous grinnings, rumbling out an ever-increasing volume of growls, which were slowly but steadily increasing to the proportions of roars. Akut knew that he was planning an attack upon them. The old ape did not wish to fight. He had come with the boy to cast his lot with the tribe.
1: "'I am Akut,' he said. "'This is Korak.' korak is the son of tarzan who was king of the apes i too was king of the apes who dwelt in the midst of the great waters we have come to hunt with you to fight with you we are great hunters we are mighty fighters let us come in peace the king ceased his rocking he
0: eyed the pair from beneath his beetling brows his bloodshot eyes were savage and crafty his kingship was very new, and he was jealous of it. He feared the encroachments of two strange apes. The sleek, brown, hairless body of the lad spelled man, and man he feared and hated.
1: "'Go away,' he growled. "'Go away, or I will kill you.'
0: The eager lad, standing behind the great Akut, had been pulsing with anticipation and happiness. He wanted to leap down among these hairy monsters and show them that he was their friend that he was one of them. He had expected that they would receive him with open arms, and now the words of the king ape filled him with indignation and sorrow. The blacks had set upon him and driven him away. Then he had turned to the white men, to those of his own kind, only to hear the ping of bullets where he had expected words of cordial welcome. The great apes had remained his final hope. To them he looked for the companionship man had denied him suddenly rage overwhelmed him the king ape was almost directly beneath him the others were formed in a half circle several yards behind the king they were watching events interestedly before akut could guess his intention or prevent the boy leaped to the ground directly in the path of the king who had now succeeded in stimulating himself to a frenzy of fury i am korak shouted the boy i am the killer I came to live among you as a friend. You want to drive me away. Very well, then, I shall go, but before I go I shall show you that the son of Tarzan is your master, as his father was before him, that he is not afraid of your king or you. For an instant the King ape had stood motionless with surprise. He had expected no such rash action upon the part of either of the intruders. Akut was equally surprised. Now he shouted excitedly for Korak to come back, for he knew that in the sacred arena the other bulls might be expected to come to the assistance of their king against an outsider, though there was small likelihood that the king would need assistance. Once those mighty jaws closed upon the boy's soft neck, the end would come quickly. To leap to his rescue would mean death for Akut, too, but the brave old ape never hesitated bristling and growling he dropped to the sward just as the king ape charged the beast's hands clutched for their hold as the animal sprang upon the lad the fierce jaws were wide distended to bury the yellow fangs deeply in the brown hide Korak, too, leaped forward to meet the attack, but leaped crouching beneath the outstretched arms. At the instant of contact the lad pivoted on one foot, and with all the weight of his body and the strength of his trained muscles drove a clenched fist into the bull's stomach. With a gasping shriek the king ape collapsed, clutching futilely for the agile naked creature nimbly sidestepping from his grasp howls of rage and dismay broke from the bull apes behind the fallen king as with murder in their savage little hearts they rushed forward upon korak and akut but the old ape was too wise to court any such unequal encounter to have counselled the boy to retreat now would have been futile and akut knew it to delay even a second in argument would have sealed the death warrants of them both there was but a single hope and akut seized it Grasping the lad around the waist he lifted him bodily from the ground, and turning ran swiftly toward another tree which swung low branches above the arena. Close upon their heels swarmed the hideous mob, but Akut, old though he was and burdened by the weight of the struggling Korak, was still fleeter than his pursuers. With a bound he grasped a low limb, and with the agility of a little monkey swung himself and the boy to temporary safety, nor did he hesitate even here, but raced on through the jungle night, bearing his burden to safety. For a time the bulls pursued, but presently, as the swifter outdistanced the slower, and found themselves separated from their fellows, they abandoned the chase, standing, roaring, and screaming until the jungle reverberated to their hideous noises. Then they turned and retraced their way to the amphitheater." When Akut felt assured that they were no longer pursued, he stopped and released Korak. The boy was furious. "'Why did you drag me away?' he cried. "'I would have taught them. I would have taught them
1: all. Now they will think that I am afraid of them.' "'What they think cannot harm you,' said Akut. "'You are alive. If I had not brought you away, you would be dead now, and so would I.' Do you not know that even Numa slinks from the path of the great apes when there are many of them, and they are mad? End of chapter 8